0: Lord, he is Lord, he has risen from the dead and he is Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ. People said? Amen. Lori, good to see you this morning. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. We've been praying for you and we'll continue to do that. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to a very familiar passage. It's Ephesians 5. We'll be verse 18, Ephesians 5. We'll get there in just a moment. It's a familiar passage. You'll recognize it when you get there. In Psalm 22 verse 3, it talks about the fact that God is enthroned as the Holy One. It says, you are the praise of your people. In other words, God is enthroned on or in the praises of his children, of his people. Remember, praise is the attitude or action involved in adoring or honoring Jehovah God. We're in a series on the power of praise. some of the practical aspects or the benefits of praise. Number one, it, it decentralizes ourselves. It gets us out of the way when we begin to focus on God. Uh, it diminishes us quite quickly, doesn't it? When we begin to see who he is. We'll talk more about that in a moment. It also strengthens our faith as we begin to praise him and see him for who he is. All he asks, uh, Barbara and I were watching early this morning, a simple little message by Charles Stanley, Dr. Stanley. Uh, kind of summarized life and looking at Noah and talking about God favoring Noah. Noah found favor with God, and he said it's pretty simple. Uh, Noah listened to God, and Noah, what was the next? He trusted God, and Noah obeyed God. And he said you could pretty well take everything in life that you and I wrestle with and summarize it there. If we just listen to him and trust what he says, And obey what he says, life could be so different. It strengthens our faith when we focus upon God. And the last time we were together and we looked at praise, we also realized that when we focus upon God, as we we praise him, it brings the doctrine of heaven into personal reality. And Lori, that's where we went the Sunday after Joe was taken home, focused on praising God. And as we did, it brings heaven into reality. Heaven is that much more precious and special now, isn't it? Uh, God is to be praised. Let me share a thought or two in a personal way this morning, an introduction to where we're going. Um, While we were home this, this past week, I did a little spiritual evaluating, a little spiritual reminiscing in my own life Almost to this very day, seven years ago, um, I was teaching a class at at our home church. Uh, It was a fellowship Bible class. Something had gone on in my own heart and life that very week and I began to share that with the class in an introductory way and I'd like to share that with you today. Seven years ago, almost to the day, I shared with that class that I had been in ministry for 43 years, Barb and I together, serving the Lord in ministry for some 43 years. And I shared with them that past week that I had asked God, if he saw fit, to give me seven more years. That'd be 50 years. I said, Lord, that would take me to the age of 75. It would take us to the year 2019, if that was to happen. Wow. Wow. That's exactly where I'm at, where we're at this morning. God answered that prayer. I don't know if that was good for you, for us. It's good for us. God answered that prayer and that desire of my heart, and uh, he sees fit. Maybe I've got a few more minutes, a few more hours, a few more days to faithfully serve him, but I had gone on to share with that class. We had just completed um, an interim work. And I shared with that class that I believe that if God was to answer that prayer and give us a few more years, the vehicle that, that we possibly could use to finish strong in our life would be the ministry that we're in these days, assisting the local church in an interim way and becoming healthy, vibrant, and strong, uh, working with them and praying with them and helping to prepare, position them for their next long-term pastor and I shared that with, that with that class. And I just wanted to mention that this morning, not to bring any attention to me, but to let you know uh, that God is at work uh, in our lives and hearts, and I trust he is in yours. And what we're doing this very day as part of this process is looking to the Lord to bring you your next long-term pastor. In the process of all this, it's important for us to evaluate where we're at health-wise. A healthy body always grows. That works physically. That also works spiritually. And I had shared with that class uh, about the different ingredients of a healthy church. And let me just remind you quickly here that you've just taken a survey, and that survey was based upon the ingredients of a healthy church, such as inspiring worship, where Worship engages the hearts and minds of the people. Empowering leadership, not where a leader is empowered himself, but where leadership empowers others for the sake of ministry. Effective structures is another key quality of a healthy church. That means you're structured in such a way to be efficient and effective. Small groups that are holistic, that engage the mind and the heart and the hands of an individual as they meet together. Evangelism, that is need oriented, developing relationships with people in need and and sharing with them who Jesus is and how he can meet a need in their life. Gift based ministry is another thought. That's where we minister out of how God has made us, how he's equipped us and how he's gifted us and given that opportunity to serve God by way of serving others, by way of our gifts, abilities and talents. And then there's one more and it's called passionate spirituality I like to look at it in this way. I call it God's empowering presence. And I get that thought from Stephen Macchia, who wrote a book entitled Becoming a Healthy Church. And here's a quote from that book The healthy church actively seeks the Holy Spirit's direction and empowerment for its daily life and ministry. Let me repeat that. A healthy church actively seeks the Holy Spirit's direction and empowerment for its daily life and ministry. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about it in the next few moments. Because praise plays such a key role in seeking out God's empowering presence. It assists you and I in cultivating the presence of God in our life. Next week, Lord willing, uh, we'll look at how a church, how you and I, can cultivate the presence of God. What are some of those steps? What are some of the actions involved in cultivating the presence of God? But for the next few moments prior to communion, I'd like us this morning to look at the why or the results or the benefit of cultivating the presence of God. If God is enthroned as the Holy One, if he's enthroned on the praises of his people, and he really is, what that does is decentralize Joe Gurkin. Hopefully it decentralizes you. When we look up and we begin to see God for who he is and adore him for that and honor him for who he is and what he's done and what he's promised, it decentralizes self and allows God to be enthroned as Lord of my life, your life. That's what God desires more than anything. I thought it was interesting this morning. One of the, I think it was one of the last songs that the worship team uh, let us in, and in, involve the word enthroned. I don't know if you saw it there, enthroned. That's what God desires to be in our life, is on the throne of our heart and life. I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it, that when we look to the Lord, it decentralizes self. It's easy to say, but it's so hard to do because we tend to think that the world ought to and should revolve around us, and it really doesn't. It really doesn't. It revolves around him. Uh, You know, when you and I look to the Lord, as he desires for us to do in praise and thanksgiving for who he is, we're reminded of a couple things. Number one, what happens is that God's empowering presence brings joy to our life. Look with me in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Verse 18 says that we're to be filled with the Spirit. What happens as a result of that is verse 19 we speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs they're singing we're making music or melody in our heart to the lord when when you and i praise god when we focus on him when we when we're cultivating the presence of god in our life god's empowering presence always brings joy. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit means that in a sense God is enthroned. He's now Lord of my life for that moment, for the next few moments, for as long as I allow him to be enthroned in my heart and life. That's a choice that I have. The Spirit of God came into your life and mine the moment we were saved. Okay, we're indwelt by the Spirit of God. But the thought here is that we continually need to be and ought to be controlled by the Spirit of God. That's what filling means. And when you and I are controlled by the Spirit of God, uh, joy seems to be a result of that. Remember the fruit of the Spirit, the controlling of the Spirit of God is what? Love and joy. Joy seems to be the most visible evidence of God's empowering presence in the life of a believer. Let me repeat that. Looking for the most visible presence that God is in control or on the throne of my heart and life, that I'm filled with the Spirit of God, that His presence is empowering me, it seems to be joy. And the word, the Greek word for joy here is kara, and it speaks of joy of the Spirit. There's a result or a consequence when God is enthroned, when the Spirit of God is in control. And that comes out of a spiritual foundation. And that spiritual foundation is laid as a result of God the Father Himself loving us to the extent that He sent forth His Son. It's God the Father and Christ the Son through His finished work on Calvary that then allows the Spirit of God sent by the Father to come into the heart and life of each and every believer. And, and, and the thought is to let him be enthroned in our heart and in our life. You see, the Holy Spirit is very capable, he's God. And he's very capable of doing what God desires to be done in a, the heart and life of his children. And that's for the Spirit of God to be enthroned in our life. So what does praise do? Well, praise certainly addresses the independent spirit that you and I have. In other words, seeking to, to fulfill self and self's desires. Uh, the difference is that when you and I cultivate the presence of God, it decentralizes our places God where he belongs in the person of the Spirit of God in our life. We're talking about joy. We're not talking about happiness here. Happiness comes as a result of of all circumstances or the situations being very favorable. When that happens, anybody can be happy. But we're talking about a sense of joy that comes. We're talking about a sense of of joy, uh, what, what we would say would be confidence, acceptance, belonging, uh, a contentment, a purpose. This is all wrapped up in this spiritual foundation that's been laid by God himself in the life of his children. Joy summarizes that for us. Now, God says, I created you. And he says, I redeemed you. So trust me. Let me have control. Let me show you why I did what I did and what I long to do in your heart and life. It's what God says. But our flesh and the devil battles that. And our flesh and the devil says no. Uh, He may be God, but not in my heart and life. Um, I think I know a little better. I've tried it his way. At times he's expecting things that I don't want to happen in my life, or he's leading me in ways that I'm not comfortable with, and so I'll do it my way. That's what the devil says, and that's what the flesh says. It says, don't believe him. It says, we know better. The world, the things the world has to offer, they're pretty attractive, and uh, we think we'll go that way. I don't think most people in the world are atheists. I don't but there's a lot of agnostics. The atheist is one who would say there is no God and an agnostic would say, well, there may be a God and I believe there is, but no God for me. He's not gonna impact my life one way or another. And you know, as believers, if we're not careful, we miss the best that God has for us. A part of that is joy. Not the circumstances and situations always playing out in, in a sense, to our advantage as we see it. But when we allow it to play out to God's advantage, God blesses. And God is capable of doing things way beyond anything that you and I could ever ask or think, even when times are difficult for us. And when we hurt and when we struggle, God's in control. The other thing that I see here in Ephesians 5 Joy is a result of God's empowering presence, but God's empowering presence always benefits others in and through our life. Look what it says here. We're to be filled with the Spirit of God. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for what? For some things, right? No, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we're actually moving on into another thought, but it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When I allow God to be enthroned into my heart and life, which means allowing the Spirit of God to control, joy shows up. But also, in and through that, God uses you or me when he's enthroned in our life to bring benefit, I believe, to others. Um, that's what this passage is talking about. I think it's talking about inspiring worship, where people are engaged in worship and in praise, speaking to what? Each other, to one another. It's not just one of us, it's, it's others. It's gathering together as, as the believers rejoice and who God is. We're giving praise to him. And it benefits not only our own heart, but it benefits others. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's why I think it's vital for churches uh, to think about blended type of worship. If we're not careful, we always want what pleases us or what we think is best, but there's a cross section of people in every church. In blended, you know, some people would say, well, I, I only like what I like and and if it's not done my way, I'm going to go to a church that does it my way. And, and, you know, depending on our age and other things, likes and dislikes, we tend to focus on one particular thing. But, you know, I call it frustrating people all the time. That's blended worship. Rather than just do it frustrating some and others, let's frustrate everybody all the time. Let's, let's blend this thing. Some like it this way, some like it that way. But there's value to this thought of singing to one another, praising God together in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in our hearts together to the Lord. That's a key part of God being enthroned in my life. But also there's this thought of modeling what it means to be grateful and thankful. In a world that's very, very selfish, God longs for his children to display a grateful heart and spirit. That's what shows up when God is enthroned. Look what it says here. It says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because it's easy that we're grateful or thankful. It's not because it's comfortable or reasonable. It may not even be practical at times may not even make a lot of sense at times in our own heart and life, but certainly to someone else. But the thought is, when God's enthroned, what is happening is in the name of and in the power of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who's enthroned in our heart and in our life. And it's not really us. It's him working in and through us. And it benefits others when people are grateful. Most people aren't. We live in a world that's very ungrateful. If anybody should be grateful, it should be someone like you or me who know Jesus Christ and understand what it means to be justified, declared righteous in the eyes of a holy God, knowing our own hearts and lives. It also talks about being submitted to one another, not because that's easy or reasonable, Not because that's practical. How can we be submitted to one another when we don't always agree? Every once in a while, I'll tell Barb, you know, God tells me I'm supposed to love that person. It doesn't mean I have to like them. Um, You know, that's not a very good excuse. But we're to love one another. But we don't always like what someone else does or what they say. Um, we struggle with that sometimes where we are to be submitted not just to God, but when we're submitted to him, it's amazing. When he's enthroned in our heart and life, it's not us so much as it is the Spirit of God working in and through us as Lord of our life. And that control comes out in submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. That's what likeness is all about, is allowing the Spirit of God to work in such a way that it's not you and I so much as it is the Spirit of God who's enthroned. That's why God's empowering presence is such a vital part of a growing church. And we ought to seek that. We ought to desire that more than anything, is that the Spirit of God be evidenced in our body of believers as we gather together. Folks, you don't need a huge church. You don't need big sums of money. You don't need great numbers. You don't need great programs for the Spirit of God to be enthroned. To cultivate the presence of God means for you and I, individually and then corporately, as individuals and families in a church body, allowing God to have control. In Psalm 40, one of my favorite psalms, David put it this way, David said that he was in trouble. Remember the psalm? He said his was in the miry clay and in the muck of life. And he said, I I waited patiently for the Lord. And the Lord turned to me and he heard my cry. And he said, in my great need, as I waited for the Lord, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire of my life, he said. And he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. But he doesn't stop there. He said, I was in great need and I had to patiently wait for God to act on my behalf. But he said he did and he delivered me from the mire and the muck and the slimy pit that I was in, the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a solid rock. He gave me a firm place to stand and he said he put a new song in my what? Anytime I ask that question, people say a new song in my heart. No, he put a new song in my mouth. It's a song of praise, it says. Praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. I guess what I'm saying here is that it's similar to what Ephesians 5 is talking about, that when Christ is empowered into our life and we allow him to empower us and control us, it benefits others as well. That's what David is talking about. He said... God put a song of praise in his heart and mind and life and in his mouth because of delivering him and setting him free and meeting his great need. And he said others were watching. They saw and they responded. And they put their faith and trust in the Lord. I believe that's what God is looking for for the local church today is for folks like you and I to let God to be enthroned As we praise him, as we focus upon him, things begin to change. He takes control. We let him lead. We let him guide. We become people who listen. And we trust. And we obey and we leave the consequences to him. And the consequences is unbelievable. I want to close with a thought here. Years ago, when I was just a boy, I remember uh, when I was just very, very young, we lived in the upstairs apartment of of a family named the Denlers. Uh, My dad was without a job and so forth, and it was a difficult time, so that's the only place we had to live. They allowed us to live up there. But I remember uh, there were some boys in in that family, the Denler family, Gene and Dean Denler were their name. They were identical twins, and that was amazing to me as a little kid they were a part of our church claim street baptist church in Aurora, illinois gene and dean denler were very talented musically one played the cornet or trumpet the other one played the trombone and they would often play you know special numbers together it was it, it, they were very good at what they did these young men these identical twins were being tugged at by by god as far as ministry and I remember watching the day they came forward together and uh, got on their knees at the front of Claim Street Baptist Church and poured their heart out and gave their lives to the Lord and said whatever you want from me use me. I'll never forget watching that that morning. Well, what happened was these two young men felt called of God to missions. And they went off to Moody Bible Institute. Uh they graduated from MBI while they were there at Moody they met sisters they weren't identical twin sisters but they were sisters just a year or two apart and these identical twin boys married those sisters and it wasn't long that God called them off to the Philippine Islands as missionaries Um, In the process of all of that, they were using their talents and their abilities, their passion for souls to serve God by way of serving the people there in the Philippines. I remind you you here that these two men uh, are going together. They're identical twins, they're not parting ways, they're ministering together as couples and as families in ministry as missionaries together. But in 1960, at the age of 32, Dean Dindler was hospitalized with terminal brain cancer. Now he had a wife whose name was Ruth and at that time he had two children, 32 years of age. His wife Ruth tells the rest of the story. She said, after being diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, wow how we struggled, she said. Dean ended up in the hospital And she said at that very time that he ended up in the hospital, she said, we had a long talk, we prayed together. And she said, I I had to leave the room, I was so broken. But she said, when I came back, she said at that very point, praise took on a new importance in my husband's life. He decided that through praise, adoring God, remember? Attitude and action of adoring God and honoring God. Through praise, he would make his hospital room a special dwelling place for God. And then she quoted her husband. Here's the quote. Quote, I'll be praising God for all eternity. I know that, and quite soon. But only during my brief time left here on earth can I bring him joy through praising him in the midst of my pain. Um, That was a quote from Dean Denler. A few months later, he was in glory. A close friend of Dean and Ruth was officiating at Dean's funeral service. And he told those that were gathered there, and I quote him, he said, quote, Dean's room became a sanctuary, his bed became a pulpit, and all who came to comfort him were moved and blessed, end of quote. He also went on to say, praise did not bring healing of Dean Dendler's cancer. However, through praise and prayer and faith, Dean brought the refreshment of God's empowering presence into a very painful and dire situation, and so he honored God in death, just as he had honored God in life. Folks, when you and I understand who God is and what he has done and what he can do and what he promises to do, we begin to focus on that. And then we take him at his word that he's enthroned on the praises of his people. It it decentralizes who we are and puts God where he belongs on the throne of our life. And then what begins to happen is supernatural work not Joe Gherkin's abilities and talents, but God's desires and whatever he sees fit to do. You see, praise is so vital. There's power in praise. Praise assists in cultivating the presence of God, God's empowering presence. And it brings joy. Where others would say it can't bring joy because the circumstances did not lend itself to joy and blessing. That you're walking through but in spite of that it brings a sense of joy and confidence and acceptance and purpose because of who we're focused on him rather than us in our situation but it not only brings joy but it also brings benefit to others people are watching you and i are the only bible that some people will ever read ever thought about that that's why God desires for you and I to allow him to be enthroned cultivate his presence and we do that by focusing on who he is as we adore him and as we honor him well let's prepare our hearts for the Lord's table it's our opportunity now to remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done would you pray with me Father, we're now coming into your presence, grateful for who you are. We've praised you and we focused on you here for a while this morning and we've looked into your word which reminds us that joy is different than happy circumstances. There can be joy in the midst of the greatest and most difficult pain. There can be joy when Trials and struggles seem to be the foremost part that we battle with every day because it's based on the spiritual foundation of a father who loves us and a son who is obedient out of love for the father and love for us and the Holy Spirit who longs to be enthroned in our hearts and lives. That's the foundation for joy. And Lord, uh, you long to use us. You bring opportunities into our lives every day for us to bring honor and glory to you and in a simple way share the gospel of Jesus and when necessary use words. Lord, uh, we cultivate your presence today. You've given us the ordinance of the Lord's table, the opportunity to focus again this morning. And what it costs for us to be redeemed and set free from the burden, the bondage, the guilt, the wrath of sin. And we're so grateful. And we give you praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.